This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Orange Hatter. Today, we'll listen to part two of my conversation with Kiki. I think most women, young women, women of any age, when their boyfriend becomes involved in Bitcoin, they think it's something like Dungeons and Dragons or fantasy <laughs> football. Like it's tech, it's made up, it's like fantasy football. You don't really own that football player. Like, uh, honey, <laughs> this just in, Tom Brady is not really your quarterback, right? So it's like this weird fantasy realm. It's something like gaming. It's There's a very male thing around it. And so I think a lot of the culture, one, women and girls just think that's his thing. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of women say, oh, my son is into it or my brother's into it. And I'm like, well... Talk to your brother or your son or your, and you know, find out more about it. A lot of why many tech-minded people or kind of bro types are into Bitcoin are none of the reasons that would be appealing to girls and women for Bitcoin. I think when I talk to girls and women about Bitcoin, it's really about having safeguarding our futures. Sadly, I mean, sadly, most women say my husband handles all the finances, even women who are lawyers and doctors and are making just fantastic salaries and who are incredibly intelligent and savvy and they're great moms and everything else. They've really trusted it, everything over to their men. So many marriages end in divorce. So many people lose everything on the stock market. Everybody lost everything in the subprime crash. And we could look at Argentina or Venezuela or Nigeria or Afghanistan. And it's like, if a woman just has a little bit of money, certainly I think women always held back a little money, right? So like, even if you watch like my left foot or something, it's like the mom with like nine children and a, a disabled son and a husband who drank too much and lost his temper and no, you know, no chance for her to use birth control, like just child after child after child with really near poverty level living. She held back money, you know? And so we see that my father had remarried and his wife, she had grown up in the South Bronx. Her parents were immigrants. They were three daughters. The mother was a seamstress and eventually a dressmaker. And when her daughters were ready to go to college, she had a stack of savings books. So when I was a kid, you know, our parents would take us to the bank to open a savings account. And so you would have your book. It looked like a passport. And you'd go to the bank and you'd give them like 25 cents or 50 cents or a dollar. We had a little bank in our town. We could walk there by ourselves and put our allowance money or Christmas money or birthday money. And so you had this book and it went 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, a dollar, $5, $10, $12. And then eventually, I mean, I worked through high school, whether it was babysitting money or waitressing money or things like that, all of that went in. So if I wanted to buy a record player, I bought that. My parents weren't like, honey, here's your record player. We did get a great gift for birthday and Christmas, but it was like anything extra. If I wanted records, I had to buy those. We had a lot of relationship to money. You know, when you're getting cash in hand and your parents are giving you very limited, 
which I think is good for the kids to go out and get jobs. It was good for me and my sisters. So my father's wife, when it was time to go off to college, the mother, the seamstress who worked all day, she had a stack of savings account books this big that went a nickel, 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 a dime, a dime, a dime, a dime, a dime, 25 cents for all three daughters. She pulled out a nickel or a dime a week so that they could have money to go to college. So even if the man is in charge of all the money, a woman, women have always pulled out some money for widowhood, for who knows what could happen. You know, the husband leaving. When the microloans were pioneered in India, it was understood that if you gave the microloan to the men, sadly, they would drink it away. And so the microloans were given to a group of females in a community with some certain restrictions that they would need to put in hygiene structures. So hygiene around toilets and clean water, possibly also buy a cow. So there's milk for the kids and yogurt and ghee. And then it would go towards some kind of business. So maybe it was making fishing nets. Because all the women in India, I've traveled there extensively, they all take on piecemeal work. Like I pass these ladies in one little house and they'd be in there chit-chatting. They'd be doing something with their fingers and they had these boxes. And I was like, what are they doing? And they would always like call out and say hello. And the kids are off at school. The husbands are off at work. What is it? What is it? And they were like, BD. So BD are these little inexpensive rolled leaf cigarettes. So they took on day work, piecemeal work, where if they had one or two or three or four hours a day, they're rolling up these hand-rolled beaties, packing them into these wooden boxes, wrapping them up in their paper cases, tying them with this pink string, earning some extra money. So women are always putting money aside. Women historically have always known (laughs) that They need their own money. And even, let's just say in India, people have always worn their wealth. So gold is a very high value. So people are wearing their gold. They have their gold earrings and these magnificently beautiful saris. And I actually did buy a damaged sari that had real silver threads in it. And so a woman, when her husband died and she was widowed, She would take those saris, put them in a like an iron pot on the fire, burn the silk and all the gold or silver would gather in a ball at the bottom of the pot. And that was her wealth. I think that's wonderful that women of all ages are relying on their husband. But, you know, anyone can tell a story about someone in their life who was wealthy and then they weren't. Someone who was happily married and then they weren't someone who had everything and then lost everything. So the real reason for women to look at Bitcoin is to carry the value of today's money into the future. And so can we carry, like, if today my work is worth 20 an hour, or I'm a lawyer and it's worth a thousand an hour, or I'm a CPA and my work is worth, I don't know, 500, 750, who knows what someone's a surgeon, what is their hourly work? So they bring home their hour now is stored in a value. You could see it in your bank account. You could see it on your wrist, on your ears, in your summer house, in your ski trip. It has a value. You're going to go out and trade that for other things. Well, what you're putting aside to save, it will easily lose a third of its value, if not more. 
So it's not out there waiting for you in your future. So the reason for women and girls to look at Bitcoin is as they tuck money into that coffee can, that that money that they've hid in their coffee can or in their mattress, not only does it have its value of their hourly wage when they made it today, that it's actually increased in value. And that's because of this limited supply of Bitcoin. So we know that it's going to hold its value and it might look very unstable on the way. A lot of people ask me, did you go through the whole crypto shit coinery thing? And I'm like, no, I never did. I was only interested in one thing, Bitcoin. I met the smartest people, really thought leaders and adoption leaders for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And I had so much to continuously learn. I didn't have time to look at another coin. And I didn't get into Bitcoin to trade. Right. I got into Bitcoin to hold, to hodl. So I think there's, you know, today kids graduate, they know they're graduating with debt. They know they're going to be in debt their whole lives. And so they're like, easy come, easy go. Like, well, I'm never going to have money anyway. The boomers broke the society or boomers broke the bank or the boomers took all our money or, or whatever wacky little bumper sticker knowledge that people have. So I might as well spend it now. I might as well get a $12 CBD almond latte because who knows what tomorrow will hold. So Bitcoin is just a hedge against our future and its autonomy. It's just a way to, to safeguard our future and our, and our children's futures. Thank you for joining us today. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. Be sure to come back and hear the rest. See you next time.